and welcome to the AfriTech Verified Podcast. I'm Tosin, your host on the podcast where we speak to amazing individuals doing awesome things in the world of African tech. My guest today is Fatma Nasujo. I hope I pronounced your name properly. Um, Fatma is currently the global head of operational excellence at SoccerWatch, an e-commerce startup at the heart of the informal retail industry in East Africa, managing the movement of tons of goods and food. Fatma is a financial services professional with over 12 years of experience working in fintech, edtech, and banking, and she has used her skills to serve businesses across East Africa. I'll be speaking to Fatma today about all things Soccer Watch, her career growth, and Africa's tech ecosystem. So stay tuned. Hi, Fatma. How are you? Hi, Tosin. Uh, yes, you got it right. I hope I'm getting your name right. Yes, Tosin. Fabulous. <laughs> nice to yeah. meet you. Nice to be here. Nice to meet you as well. So how are you? How's Nairobi? Uh, Nairobi's doing great. Um, the sun is uh, off and on. Uh, it feels like it's bipolar weather in Kenya. Or oh, in yeah. Nairobi specifically. But yeah, it's doing great. As bipolar as the British weather. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it should be summer here. I'm not so sure why we're still having the cold weather. To be honest, it should be summer here too. So we're having the same problems, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for the sun to come back. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think there's any chance of the sun anymore. That's it. It's gone. Why are into now? But yeah. Anyway, so Fatma, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career growth? Um, so the interesting thing is I have two degrees in computer science, um, but then my work tends to be in operations. Um, so when I left university, my first job was at a bank in Kenya, and then that's where I fell in love with operations. And the thing was, how do I create systems, solutions that help uh, create prob- uh, solutions that help everyone uh, grow? Um, so at the bank, it was just basically... Um, how do I serve customers better? How do we give solutions that solve their problems? And then from that point, I was like, okay, wait, I can do both operations and technology. And the rest of my career has been um, a mix of the two. Um, and I also because of the banking experience, then I also put in finance in there. So there's a lot going on with my career. I'd like to say I'm a generalist more than a specialist, but yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, jack of all trades and master of all. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes I'm good. not a master of none. <laughs> <laughs> master of all. <laughs> yeah. That's it good. is the risk, right? Um, when you go into many things and you tend up not being a master of uh, all of them or you, uh, but then the balance for me has always worked out. Yeah. Trust me. I completely understand. I'm the same. Jack of all trades. But yeah. Um, anyway. So um, you currently work as operational excellence at Soccer Watch. I really love that job title. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to ask, so first of all, what does your actual job um, at Soccer Watch entail? And how did your previous roles um, gear you up for working at Soccer Watch? As you mentioned, you know, you're you know, a master at everything. You study computer science, 
you know, and now you're currently in operations, you are passionate about financial inclusion. So like, how did all of that make you operational excellence at Soccer Watch? An interesting question. Um, I'd say every step in my career has present, uh, has prepared me for the next step. Um, having the educational background uh, in computer science meant that I understood systems, was good at identifying problems, and then getting to the point where you're like, okay, wait, this is how we solve this problem. Um, it helps, uh, like, you know, scientifically analyze stuff. And um, that's the beauty of the, com- uh, the computer science. So you're not focused on necessarily the outcome, but you're mm-hmm. focused on, okay, what inputs do you put in? And then what is it that you get as a result? Um, so that there um, is, is the benefit of having like the computer science degrees um, and, and applying them at work. Um, the interesting operational excellence, it's about uh, title. Um, the role is a very interesting one. Um, I'm focused on supporting the entire business and achieving their goals. Um, the interesting thing is uh, it's, it's metrics, it's processes, it's problem solving, and it's just essentially empowering people and enabling them to achieve their potential. Um, it tends to be a, a backseat sort of role um, in the sense that you're working through people, you're influencing people and helping them achieve their potential. Um, the risk there is often people will try and get you to do their work instead of <laughs> doing the work themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most exciting part of the role is that every day is a different day and you're doing new things. Um, whether you're helping with the product team and problem solving or trying to uh, figure out what feature is actually needed to solve the problem, or you're working with the other departments because you see the bigger picture and you're able to tell them, okay, wait, guys, uh, you would probably do better working together because you're both tackling the same problem. Um, and then there's always the outside look, uh, uh, speaking to our investors, um, just tracking performance, speaking to our customers, getting to know what interesting problems are out there and then how we help them. So I'd say every step in my career getting to this point has prepared me for this. And then it's it's great to shift from being the executor to being the person who's like, wait, guys, there's synergies here. Uh, let's do this. Let's uh, work on this together, solve this problem. Um, and always for me, because I'm a person who's focused on problem solving, um, having new problems to solve every day keeps me energized. And the discipline I've created is truly spending most of the time understanding the problem and then mm-hmm. just a small portion of the time figuring out, okay, this is the solution. So then that keeps you like aware of what's going on in the business, uh, aware of potential solutions of things to help um, other people succeed. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So um, let's talk about your passion for financial inclusion. So how exactly did you develop this passion for financial, financially empowering the underserved? Was there like a key moment in your life where you were like, oh, this is what I want to keep doing. Um, This is, you know, where I want to, you know, play around with. (laughs) Cool. Um, So like I said, my first job was in a bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the packs was uh, you got employed and you got a credit card. Um, okay. Not necessarily because I wanted one, but because people had targets to sell credit cards and we were, you know, 
uh, fresh, <laughs> fresh yeah. come on guys, here's a credit card. And being someone who hadn't really managed my own money before that, um, it was, here you go, Fatma, here's this credit card. And it was spent, spent, spent. And very fast, I'm like, wait, what, what is this thing? What did I get myself into? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> About one year after I got the credit card, I was out with my scissors and going, out, out, this is not for me. It's not working out. I'm not uh, good at uh, managing the credit card. It's just too tempting. So I stopped that. Um, And then I got a promotion and became a business development manager. And now I was sitting in the front office advising people on what products to get. Mm -hmm. Very quickly, you realize, based on the location that I was uh, working from, the solutions we had did not speak to them. Um, mm. What we were doing is simply um, taking this current account that works for large corporates and, and, and the middle class and trying to sell it to SMEs who are not uh, getting the best use out of this, uh, trying to sell loans that we were calling micro loans at the time. And they were not geared for SMEs. They didn't have collateral. They didn't have the kind of revenue. And so it was, okay, wait, what new products can we give um, to people that actually speak to their needs? And that's where, for me, the passion began. One, from my personal mistakes, uh, which is why I have the blog uh, on financial literacy. Uh, But the other part of it is, can we create solutions that speak to the customer? Not just like making uh, the solution. A one size fits all, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going from a million dollar loan to a ten thousand uh, dollar loan, it's not the same. But you're still using the same like credit scoring measures. You're still using the same uh, collateral demands. Are you really serving that market? Mm, mm, mm. It's not a one size fits all um, package. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So, um, so I guess now let's talk a little bit about Soccer Watch. Um, so tell us a little bit about Soccer Watch. Um, what problem is the company trying to solve? But just before that, what is your blog address? Okay, nasujo.com. Okay, and on that blog, you talk about financial literacy. I talk about financial literacy. I talk about leadership and management. Some vanity topics like my travel, which I absolutely love. But okay, yeah. Okay, that's that's cool. Travel. Uh, where was the last city you visited? Well, have you in COVID? No, I haven't traveled in COVID, but I'm about to start traveling. Um, COVID did mess up a lot of my plans last year. I did intend to visit Morocco and Egypt, but I'm oh, Morocco. I'm going to Morocco soon. So I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> But coming soon, we shall share experiences after we both get back. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, Nairobi is definitely like on my list as well. Be Ooh. nice to visit. Yeah, Please do. Happy to <laughs> show you around when you're here. Yay! <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so let's talk about Soccer Watch. So, what is um, Soccer Watch? What does the company do? Um, what problem are you trying to solve with Soccer Watch, like in the grand scheme of things? Um, Soccer Watch is an e-commerce platform um, that puts um, e-commerce in the hands of the informal retailer. 
And in Kenya, we call them kiosks. Um, they're just basically the retail shops you have at the corners of your neighborhood. Um, we want to enable this uh, retailers to have stock, which currently is a very fragmented system. Um, they have to rely on wholesalers. They have to create one-on-one -on -one relationships with suppliers. And if you're not in urban areas, what happens is that you're closing shop to get stock. Uh, you're traveling long distance to get stock, and this doesn't necessarily work um, for the retailer. Every minute that they're not at their business, they're losing money. Every time they run out of stock, they're losing money. And so what Sokowatch does is to give them an opportunity to order their stock directly off our platform. Uh, we are enabled for smartphones and feature phones. So you can use the app or you can use USSD. And then to better the offer that we're giving them because then we don't have to deal with the wholesalers. We have a cheaper price uh, working directly with the suppliers. We are passing that on to them and then also delivering stock to them uh, at their shops rather than having them go out to meet suppliers and wholesalers. Okay. So um, how exactly do you fit into this? Do you connect directly with, you know, the kiosks or, do you delegate these tasks out to other people that work within your team? So how do you personally communicate with, with, with them? Um, as the company or as a fat, as, as Fatma? As Fatma and um, as operational excellence. Mm -hmm. So we do connect uh, with the customers. Uh, we go out to trade personally. I go out to trade and, and visit customers. Uh, we do have calls with customers. We conduct regular surveys. Um, and then get feedback from the customers. Um, so for me, solving their problems means I need to engage with them, which involves going to the field and speaking with our customers. Okay. Um, um, okay, that's fine. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you face dealing with um, informal retailers in the East Africa region in general? Um, I'd say it's... Is it country-specific? Are there different challenges per country or are there general challenges that they face? Because I know that Soccer Watch is based in like nine different countries across East Africa. So four countries across East Africa. Not four. Yes, four countries so and nine not, cities. Nine cities. Okay. Nine yes. cities across East Africa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are some general challenges, but then there are nuanced as well. So for instance. Um, how do people uh, work with regulations? So I'll speak about, for instance, because we offer credit to our customers. Um, we allow them to take uh, goods on credit and then pay at a later date. Um, depending on the country, the city, um, people will have different payment behaviors. There are people who pay on time. There are people who pay early. There are people who pay late. Um, some people require a lot of reminders uh, to be to make those payments. Others will, in, will even call you and ask, oh, I'm supposed to pay today, right? Um, mm. So it, it's different in the different countries. Uh, but I'd say something general is um, like uh, concerns. Like initially when you're starting to get them on the app or the USSD, people still want to follow up. They want to call you and make sure, okay, did you get my order? Uh, can I do this thing? Can I go to the next step? Um, and then um, across maybe more the rural areas and less in Kenya. Uh, you will have people wanting to pay when they receive the goods um, and then they want to give you in cash. Uh, in Kenya, people are a bit all right doing with M-Pesa and everything mm. else. Um, so it's it's nuanced for the different countries. Um, but what I would say is like 
um, general locations because people will make orders and then you need to go figure out where they are to give them uh, their goods. Um, so addressing uh, is a general problem across all the countries. Um, that affects delivery, uh, which means for our customers, we do same-day delivery. So if you order today, you get your goods today. Um, and that is one of the challenges in, in meeting that SLA. Okay. That's that's fine. So what I picked up from what you said was that there were general challenges around technology. And that was actually my next question. So I was actually going to ask, how easy is it for for them to use technology? Because obviously they're used to dealing with cash. Um, so <laughs> how easy is that for you? Um, again, good innovation changes habits, right? Um, mm. and, and, and the thing is, how do you create solutions that speak to them and make them want to use this technology? So at first you were tackling um, uncertainty. I'm not sure that this thing will work, uh, but the more consistent you are with it, then people are able to join it. But the other thing that's a big one is um, access to like data. Um, do you have like bundles to do um, your orders on the app? Um, so that's where our alternative of using USSD comes in, because then with a feature phone or a smartphone, you're able to access us. But then the last one is now the literacy, right? Um, if you are not able to um, use your phone for any reason, then you, are, you can call us in. Uh, but we try to encourage our customers to use the tech. So then we'll onboard you and you can call us or the growth rep can visit you to take your order. But we are transitioning you into the unassisted order. We don't want you to like focus 100% on, someone must visit me for me to get my stock. We want mm -hmm. the customer to take charge and do it for themselves um, on their phones, whichever phones they have. Okay, um, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Um, so um, Stocker Watch started in Kenya. Yes. Okay, so how easy was it for for the business to be replicated in the other cities? Um, I'd say we learned a lot from Kenya, um, and especially mm. that we expanded into multiple markets in Kenya, which prepares you to go outside of the country. Um, we hit our targets faster in the different countries after Kenya. So Kenya was sort of like, you know, your pilot uh, market yeah. where you try everything and then now you have the lessons of it. And for me, our... Playbook speaks to, this is what we learned. Um, this is how we improve it. And part of it is defining what success looks like in one country and then now adjusting for nuances in the other countries. So we are scaling faster, growing faster in the newer countries than we did in Kenya. It took us a longer period, for instance, to get to our $1 million mark in GMV in Kenya compared to how long it took us in uh Tanzania, Rwanda, and Uganda. Okay, so, because you've already made all the mistakes, you've changed your tactics. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, okay, so um, I know that you launched a tuk-tuk service in December. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, how, how does that work? And how does it benefit, you know, the retailers and, of course, the customers as well? Um, the e-tuk-tuks. Um, so yeah. we launched out, uh, initially we had the normal tuk-tuks. Uh, fuel was a thing. 
Um, how do you manage the parts and everything else? And then also we want to be green, right? Um, so how do we do? And especially with tuk-tuks, you have limited capacity, mm-hmm. right? So then for you to deliver and grow as much, what happens is that you keep getting more and more tuk-tuks, right? Uh, so then you need uh, a more green solution. And that's what we tried out with uh, the e-tuk-tuks, which we launched in uh, Rwanda. And it's it's a better option in the sense that there's a lot less management you have to do in it. I don't need to know how many times it was fueled, who fueled it. Does it make sense? What happened? <laughs> 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 you fueled yesterday. We're supposed to have uh, this level of utilization. Uh, what's going on here? With the e-tuk-tuks, you just charge it and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a better solution for us. And then because it, it requires less uh, repair, it, it actually gave us um, better service and productivity, which helps us deliver on our delivery easily. Okay, fantastic. Um, okay, so um, another new thing that you launched recently was the e-voucher scheme. Um, so how exactly does that work? Who does it benefit exactly? Um, so during COVID, uh, we gave low-income families e-vouchers via SMS which they were able to redeem in nearby shops. Um, there were no transaction fees and we sent the entire value of the e-voucher to the customer. Um, so when you have the voucher, you're able to get this goods and people were able to be fed and we gave direct digital assistance um, to the families. So we were helping both the families and the shopkeepers in those areas. We worked with our customers directly um, and that was our way of contributing to that, uh, to supporting people during the crisis. Uh, we served 10,000 beneficiaries in Kenya. That's fantastic. Well done. Well done. Um, so, um, so where exactly do you see the African tech ecosystem in the next five to 10 years? And also, how does Soccer Watch fit into this narrative? An interesting question. Um, I think we're going to see more homegrown solutions. Um, having understood our problems and 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 now that we're uh, more well-versed with the technology, people will start solving our problems. I think um, one of my pet peeves has always been see this technology working somewhere else and you bring it into Kenya or any other country and try and figure out what that is. Uh, but what I'm looking to see now going forward is solutions for us, um, solving our problems and, and then in our context, right? Um, so I'm looking at more personalized services. I'm looking at growth um, of e-commerce. I'm looking at providing technology to more people, which speaks to both education, uh, policy, and um, ease of access. Uh, you can see a lot of people are doing uh, work on how to get internet and technology to people now. Um, and then we will automate things, um, which given that uh, our youth uh, are the majority and they're really tech forward compared to us guys, um, this uh, will be more focused on like tech solutions rather than manual solutions and automations and going out into like different verticals that help um, automate services and products. Fantastic. Um, so I guess that also kind of covers future plans as well. <laughs> well, 
we're going to be doing interesting things at Sukkot. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Watch this face. <laughs> cool 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 okay Uh, but on the e-commerce sector for instance what i'm sure is going to happen uh is we're going to be mobile first uh Mm -hmm. we are after all the second largest market after asia so whatever solutions we come up for e-commerce is going to be uh, mobile first uh second we are going to go cross-border I want stuff that's uh, available in Zimbabwe and I want mm. to sell to someone in Egypt, right? Um, mm. People want to do all that. And that will push us to look at logistics, delivery, um, policies that help people do that. And mm. then speaking of policies on online consumer protection, um, the reason mm. not taking up e-commerce uh, is that you're not sure what you order is what you get. Yes. Um, we have trust issues here, and uh, which also affects our payment choices, right? I'm not paying you until I see the thing, which means we are all now cash on delivery, right? Which mm-hmm. limits how we do e-commerce. And then um, we'll also focus on the logistics here. Going back to payments, uh, we need to go cashless. We need to think about prepayments, but also most importantly on delivery. I don't know about you, but in Kenya, I have this pet peeve. Uh, where I will order something online and the delivery costs more than the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Most frustrating thing. Right? Um, and we, we, as an industry, need to look at delivery. We haven't figured it out. Uh, we need to look at delivery. Is it aggregating? Is it volumes that will help you get to a point where it makes sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, what advice to entrepreneurs? Please price it in the price. Don't tell me how this thing is more expensive. If the delivery is more expensive than the thing. And then lastly, um, there will be more adjacent services. Um, We're already starting off with like credits. um, But what other personalized services can we put on e-commerce? So it's not just I went in to buy this thing, but it's also telling you, okay, this is your behavior when you go online. Um, Mm. These are the products that suit you now. Uh, in terms of, okay, maybe this is a buy now, pay later option that works for you. Or maybe you need insurance the way you're buying things like this. Or, yeah, so it's one yeah. of the adjacent services will come up with e-commerce, not just buying and selling of uh, goods. Yeah, definitely. Um, consumer behavior has changed, like, you know, especially during COVID. Um, a lot of people are demanding, like, personalized services. Um so I think that's really important that you, you guys are thinking like futuristic and stuff. Um, yes. Also, when you mentioned cross-border payments, I noticed you didn't say anything about Nigeria. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Huh? Well, I don't know. You, you very... said Zimbabwe. You said something else. No, Nigeria. Uh-uh. <laughs> but what is that to say about Nigeria, man? Everything <laughs> fintech is in Nigeria. <laughs> We're not talking about you guys no more. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, no, but yes, um, shining light. We're, we can only aspire. <laughs> no, of, no offense taken. But yeah, anyway, we have come to the end of this round. Wow. Thank you so much, Fatma. This has been a great conversation. So we're going to go into a quick fire round. So I'm just going to ask you really quick questions and you just give me your responses in one word or one sentence, however it makes you feel. Just quick fire questions, quick fire answers. So the first question is, what does innovation mean to you? 
Um, it boils down to solving problems. Solve the problem, understand the pain point, the impact, and then come up with a solution. And that's your strong point, isn't it? Yep. As operational excellence. Yes, yes. <laughs> what is your favorite African country and why? Don't say Kenya. Um, Zimbabwe. <laughs> Again, this Zimbabwe. <laughs> well, um, it's an understated country. Um, mm-hmm. I think when I visited in 2014, I checked it out on TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. And I was halfway looking for body armor from what I found there. And then the surprise, the pleasant surprise was how orderly everything was, how friendly people were, and how easy it was to get around. So Zimbabwe, I want to spend more time there. That's good. Anyway, the people who I've met from Zimbabwe have been nice people anyway. So, yeah. Yep, yep. Very funny people. I still <laughs> keep in touch with the, my hosts um, and they check in on me like randomly. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. So what is one unpopular opinion that you have about the African tech ecosystem? <laughs> You're laughing. It's like you prepared for this one. No, um, it's a good question. And again, going back to um, using the wrong solutions in the wrong context. Right. Um, I think, yeah, my pet peeve would be, for instance, uh, just taking something because it works somewhere else and thinking it'll work here. Mm. Um, I think a good example here may be the credit card. Um, mm. Given that the majority of us don't have access to bank accounts, is the credit card really the way to go? So solving problems using solutions that are not meant for us. So this shiny, bright thing that came from somewhere else, and then we don't understand the context. Okay. Uh, give me one word about African tech, the African tech ecosystem in the next five years. One word. Just one. <laughs> okay, two. <laughs> two um, words. I think great potential. Great potential. Okay. Sure. Okay. So That's fine. I, I completely know. agree. Um, so. <laughs> if you could wave a magic wand and make one pet peeve of yours in Africa disappear, what would it be? Requiring visas for Africans to travel across countries. Oh my gosh, yes. yes. <laughs> that is a pet peeve. Uh, not just because I like to travel, but because we need to have free movement of resources, people, goods and services that is essential for our development. So I think yeah. that I would abolish that yesterday. Go. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think that's also like um, something that it's not encouraging for others other Africans to travel across Africa because if I have to apply for a visa, then I might as well go to the UK or the US. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Um so and the final quick fire question is what is your dream for Africa? Hmm. Um at the risk of sounding idealistic, um I'd like to Africa is a very resource-rich continent, Mm. uh, whether it's our land, our water, oil, natural resources, our talent. Uh, We're very resource-rich. So what I'd like to see is for us to use the resources to change the fortunes of the continent, right? Solve African problems um, in the African context using tools that we create. Um, I use M-Pesa as the example here. We have exported mobile money to the world, right? 
what next product is coming from Africa. Yeah, I, fixing our problems, the African way. So, but yes, Fatma, yes, <laughs> leave the African charge. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you so much. This has been such a great, fun conversation. We're talking about serious stuff, but having fun in the midst of it. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I can't wait to see everything that Soccer Watch does. And that Fatma does and nasijo.com. Um, <laughs> but before we go, um, can you tell us where we can find you on social media, where we can find Soccer Watch as well? Um, good question. Um, you can find me on nasijo.com, um, just www.nasijo.com. Um, on LinkedIn, just search for Fatma Nasujo. Um, same for Sukowatch. You can find us on LinkedIn at sukowatch.com and then on LinkedIn as just Sukowatch. Yay! Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you.